Hey everybody, welcome to the Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast. I'm John Burke, and with me from across the pond is the Kingsman to my statesman, Matt Hudson from whatiwatchtonight.co.uk. Matt, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing very well, and I'm not going to lie. I always expect you to slip up there uh, and get get our monikers the, the wrong way round. But uh, I'm doing mm. okay, my friend. Busy weekend, which we'll get to. Um, I spent all day yesterday asleep because I had the world's worst migraine. Um, so I slept. I oh, honestly, I slept most of the day because we did a. I did it. We did a a call with, for the sessions with Hasbro, and it was videoed. And I was like, oh, "This is this could not have happened at a worse time." And you can see me on the video. It's I don't know if they'll ever release it, but I look this. I look like Casper the Friendly Ghost. I'm bright, like bright white. If that's such a thing, Man. shifty as anything. So I was like, "I could." I've got the cold sweats. I don't know if I'm going to be sick or worse. Please hurry up. But so that wasn't fun. But um, I've been catching up in a lot of movies, digging the Halloween and the full vibes and doing my best to keep England safe. How are you doing? Are you keeping Florida safe? I am. I am. Uh, you know, the Criterion sale that happens every November and July at Barnes and Noble kicked on. Um, and so I've snagged uh, several Alfred Hitchcock um, Criterion that I didn't have. Uh, I'm I've been kind of working my way through, which we'll talk about in the consumption section. Um, Hitchcock movies, the, like the older ones, because I've seen all of, like the big, the ones that most people know for Hitchcock, you know, Psycho Birds, Rear Window, North by Northwest, Vertigo. I've seen those many times over. Like those are rewatches for me easily. Um, but I've been diving into some of his more obscure stuff. And uh, I, I decided to pick up all the criterions that I could uh, that he is, um, that I didn't already have. I actually already owned uh, Notorious and Rebecca, um, which are, I think, the last two Hitchcocks they've released on Criterion. But I, I've got a uh, few others. Um, I had 39 Steps already, but I got, uh, I think, five more Hitchcocks, um, including the original uh, The Man Who Knew Too Much, which I yeah. didn't realize he remade that himself. Um, so he, there, there's the British version, uh, which is the Criterion that I just got, but I already own the digital copy with James Stewart that he did once he was in Hollywood in 1966, uh, I believe. And um, I didn't realize that. I didn't realize he had remade his own movie, which is kind of interesting. It's uh, not something it has happened a few times, but it's not a regular occurrence for a mm. director to remake their own film. Um, so it's interesting to, to get to go back and watch the original now uh, that I have the, on Criterion. So, yeah, if you're a fan of the uh, physical media, folks, Criterion's on uh, half off right now, Barnes and Noble and Amazon usually does price matches for those. So it's a it's a good time to, to jump on the Criterion bandwagon and get some of these cool collectible Blu-rays uh, with awesome special features. And uh, we are not sponsored by Criterion, but if you're interested, <laughs> be, be Criterion. Great. Yeah. We'd, we'd like I, I, want, I, I was meant to look the other day because I said to JB, I may end up throwing him some gr- some pretty green. And so, um, can you please get me to sh- ship them over? But I have, but if we do, if they're doing a Criterion sale in the UK, then um, I'll jump on that. Because I wanted to get the Marriage Story Blu-ray, but it's not mm. out on Blu-ray. It's only out on Criterions, which is what, 30... 30 pounds, maybe what, 40, 35 bucks, whatever. I thought, well, hmm, uh, maybe I'll wait. And then, but if I can get a half price, I'm all over that. So uh, after this, I'm going to check. And if I can get a couple more for this, for that price, then, you know, bing, bang, bosh, I'm onto that, my friend. If not, I'll be ringing John, begging him to get me a few and send them over. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I, I wonder, it's interesting to see if they, uh, they do the price match for the UK or not, but I'd imagine they, well, I'd imagine they would do. So, uh, I am, I am going to check though. Cause now I'm curious. Indeed. Um, well, we are uh, not here to talk about criterion, although, you know, <laughs> it's hard not to, um, we are here instead to talk about the new Edgar Wright film last night in Soho, uh, that just came out in theaters everywhere. Um, as noted, it's directed by Edgar Wright, written uh, story credit to Edgar Wright, but screenplay credit to Christy Wilson Carnes, mm-hmm. uh, stars Thomas and Mackenzie, Anya Taylor-Joy, Matt Smith, Diana Rigg, her last performance, um, yes. as she has passed away, Amy Castateri and Rita, uh, Tushingham. I don't remember who the other older characters, but I think the grandma character, uh, the actress has also passed away since the film. This was her last film. role too. Yes. Um, the IMDb plot synopsis is not great, uh, as it has been kind of lackluster lately with it's the been IMDb awful plot. recently. Um, an aspiring fashion designer is mysteriously able to enter the 1960s where she encounters a dazzling wannabe singer, um, but the glamour is not all it appears to be, and the dreams of the past start to crack and splinter into something darker. 
the critics in general are positive on the 74% Rotten Tomatoes, 67 Metascore, um, IMDb user score 7.6, and Letterbox 3.7. Um, so overall, a positive reception. However, my personal experience with this movie is extremely hit or miss. Uh, the people that I know and respect, um, whose opinions I don't always agree with, but often discuss, um, have been all over the place. Uh, it's, mm-hmm. it's very hard to kind of tell how people are going to feel about last night in Soho. I fortunately, um, being an Edgar Wright fan and admittedly, uh, listeners, I, I am a huge Edgar Wright fan. I have tweeted out to Edgar Wright at one point <laughs> on my birthday in 2020, telling him he was my favorite director and asking for a screener. He did deny me, but did wait, wish me happy birthday. So I was I very excited that. for that response. But that said, I have also been critical of him. I love baby driver, mm-hmm. yep. but I do think there's a lot of flaws. And I think Edgar Wright's biggest weakness is writing female characters. I think you can see that in all five of his other films. Uh, the female characters are often one dimensional. They are usually just there to serve the main character. So here we get a film with two female leads. So I was very intrigued to see how he would handle it of course he does enlist a female writer to do the screenplay which is probably wise uh because maybe he's aware that we're writing female characters is a weakness yeah um i found this movie to be visually stunning and i loved every second of the view like i there was not a single shot that i was not kind of blown away by or impressed with and i think without any question that sugar-coated my experience i was so enamored with the look of the movie um, I, while watching it, I, I think there was a couple of moments where I felt a little irritated because some things kind of loop and like, it's a little redundant in the middle. Mm-hmm. And, um, I had no real issues with the ending or, or the story in general. Cause I kind of, I am not versed in the giallo genre, um, of the Italian horror films. And the only ones that I've seen, I've not really enjoyed my understanding is that this is like leaning into the giallo, but not exclusively, but definitely pulling from that genre. And what I understand of the genre is a lot of times things don't really make sense. Like things just kind of happen. My biggest frame of reference is Suspiria. And one of my complaints with Suspiria was that like, it opens with a murder where like you see someone getting stabbed with a creature hand, if I remember correctly. And then that, that really is not, relevant to the rest of the plot like yes a person dying is relevant but the actual like the murderer is not the focus there's like there's witches and a whole cult thing none of it made sense to me when i saw it now i've only seen i've seen both versions of suspiria once so by no means have i given it like an extra run to try to figure it out or whatever but to me it made no sense and that's kind of my understanding of the giallo genre is like there's a mystery with a female lead and it doesn't have to inherently make sense. There's just all sorts of stuff. There's supernatural things. This happens, this happens. It's all about the visuals. And to me, Wright nailed the visuals. I think this movie looks amazing. I think the, the, um, there's sequences where, uh, you see the two characters in that are like doing the same thing, but like we're cutting back and forth between them, but it, it happens like in camera and it's just like mind blowing stuff happening. Um, in the narrative, there's definitely, problems but i my experience was not wrecked by it i had a great time watching this movie um and i've had a few of my students who have said the same thing they, they've been like blown away i actually had one of my graduates message me out of nowhere on instagram um was just like raving about the visuals he was just so blown away by the the look of this movie um and so i, I think that seems to be the trend if you either are latched mm-hmm. on to the style of the movie and then you love it or the style is not enough you're looking for substance and the substance maybe isn't enough to get you through it i liked it matt what about you um i fall on the latter of your analogy there i think this film was stunning to look at but i needed more from it i I came out disappointed from my screening of this for that reason it looked great i think thomas and mckenzie and the taylor joy are terrific i think they're both excellent with what they're tasked with doing but i don't i do think they both suffer from development issues and the writing isn't always the best, even still uh, with uh, Christy Cairns on board. Um, the soundtrack's great. It was great to go back to the, the, the glory days of London, if you will, in the 1960s. Matt Smith was also very good. Diana Rigg, very good in her, uh, sad in her final uh, role. And it was uh, Margaret Nolan was the other actress who sadly passed away with this being her 
final on-screen role, I believe, as well. But um, yes, so I, I rang JB up after the film. We don't often share our thoughts on our BAMP film of the week. We usually save it for the episode, but I, did the, I just felt so disappointed or frustrated that I had to ask JB to make sure, is it just me? Because I was aware that some people weren't overly keen on the film or, or, or weren't happy or some don't like it. But I, I also knew lots of people were really, really enjoying it. I know how much JB loves Edgar Wright and I too am a fan of Edgar Wright. Um, but I thought, is, is it just me? Or have I just had a bad experience? And so I knew that JB really enjoyed it, but sadly yeah, it, didn't, it didn't work for me. I found it to be personally slightly convoluted and messy. I think I know that the third act, again, we don't do spoilers on this show. The third act was telegraphed or foreshadowed, but it doesn't make it any less kind of, when it happened, there was, I audibly kind of went, oh, for sake, when it, when it happened, because it just did not hit for me. And, and the film kind of turned again, t- took a tonal shift in the third act after already having a few in the uh, acts leading up to it, a few sequences, which were at odds with each other. But that said, Yes, I wasn't the biggest fan of the story or the execution of it, but I don't want to be too negative on it because there was a lot I did like about it. Like I mentioned, the performances are great. The visuals are great. The soundtrack is great. The idea is superb. I think the premise is great. And I think it starts really well. The early scenes of Thomas and Mackenzie's character, Ellie, when she's living in her family home down in rural Cornwall, right in the far southwest of the United Kingdom, very lovely, lovely place to um, to visit. Doesn't always doesn't quite look that twee everywhere. I always wonder if international people, foreign, uh, for foreigners to this island, look at places like Redruth, which they show in last night. So I think that's just what England looks like because it really isn't. But um, the the early scenes of her moving from her home, getting to London, experiencing the big city and the people that inhabit it, especially her classmates, and when we start to kind of see something's amiss here something's not quite right i was in at that point i was i was in from the beginning i was like this you know this is this could be pretty good i I like where we're going here but it didn't follow up for me it didn't have that substance which i was very disappointed about because like pretty much what you've just said about baby driver as well i had a good time at baby driver a few issues notwithstanding but but that was another visually appealing film or technically appealing film uh, from edgar wright uh, outside of the the Cornetto trilogy and going way back to Scott Pilgrim, obviously. So I yeah. really wanted to like this film. I, I put I started my review off with the things which just got me excited: a thriller, a horror, a mystery, sixties London, Anya Thomasin, Edgar Wright. What a fantastic ingredients set for a lovely cake! But it didn't quite work for me. I really wish it had done. But I'm not also going to sit here and say what an absolute failure, what a dis- what a disgusting movie, what a whilst it was a disappointment, it wasn't an aid, it wasn't a huge disappointment. I don't sit here and feel, you know, ultimately sad about it. Just a bit deflated because everything was there for me to be fantastic, and it just didn't work. It, it was the story and the execution that didn't work for me. Is it? I mean, this has almost become like a BAMP trademark here. But is it the worst film of the year? Good God, no. Absolutely not. It's not a bad film. It's a wonderfully realised film technically, but just the, the the story and a few other things just didn't work and it knocked it down for me, sadly. But I'm glad you liked it today, my friend. Yeah, you know, it's it's the beauty of cinema is it doesn't all have to work. And um, I often am the other side of this type of thing where I often mm-hmm. am arguing substance over style. Um, this worked for me. I definitely have complaints and in our spoiler episode, I will bring up some things that I think really fall apart in the logic spectrum. I don't know that horror has to hit logic, but to be fair, I have criticized other horror movies for that same thing. So to not criticize this one for those things would be wrong as well. And so I will bring up some points in the spoiler episode, but Mm -hmm. we'll save that for then. Um, in the meantime, uh, Matt and I disagree on this film, but we're still buds, everybody. It's okay to disagree on things. You can like what you like, and he can like what he likes. And at the end of the day, we can still get along. Keep your A lesson shut. to be learned. Oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> sorry. I apologize. Uh, we, we didn't even argue on the phone when we spoke about it. Uh, nope. we, we amicably parted ways that evening so JB could have some dinner. And, like, literally, I was getting out of the movie, and Big Tuna messaged me that he didn't like it. And then... Um, <laughs> My friend, Alejandro, my friend and director, Alejandro Montoya yes. Marin, uh, messaged me today because I had posted that the Sparks Brother documentary is on Netflix yep. here in the States now. 
And um, he was like, I said it was really good. And he said, really? Because I was disappointed with Soho. And I'm like, okay, man. I mean. The walls are closing in on you, man, for this. Yeah, this is, but, what's but going my on? students who maybe they've been taught by me too much that they are also <laughs> liking the uh, Soho. But, you know, Sean was one of my students and he doesn't like Soho. Although Sean probably taught me more than I taught him about movies. So what am I <laughs> yeah, trying to, to justify? But Two equally anyway, excellent men. We are, that's it for our review of Last Night in Soho. Again, if you subscribe to the channel, you'll get our spoilers on Monday. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in the meantime, we're going to move on to our shaft headlines. These are movie or pop culture news that caught our attention. Um, Matt seems to be, I don't know, maybe a little fixated on one specific <laughs> topic. But Matt, what is your headline for this week? Man, JB, off air, he had a go right go at me. He goes, you're obsessed with this film. Get off the show. Yeah, no, the headline I picked, yes, it's a film I've mentioned quite a lot so far uh, in the last few weeks, but there was there is an ulterior motive for me picking this headline. The headline is from Screen Rant. It's written by James Hunt, and the headline is Dune. Oh, there we go. Dune proves Denis Villeneuve's biggest lesson from Blade Runner 2049. Um, so uh, James says, because Dune is now a bigger success than 2049 financially, it shows he's learned some lessons, key lessons from that movie. And part of the reason I picked this headline be- was because I just wanted to mention Blade Runner 2049, because the only time people mention it is to say it didn't make very much money, which I'll get out of the way now. It didn't make as much money as it could have done. However, Blade Runner 2049 is damn near perfect. It's fantastic. Uh, as is Dune to me. Um, maybe not Arrival. But the what surprised Arrival's me. fantastic too. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, listen, I'm going to rewatch that because there's been a few films in recent years, um, Ex Machina and Annihilation, or funny enough, from the same director, Alex Garland. The first time I watched them, didn't didn't work. Second time, blown away to the point now where I, Annihilation is one of my favourite films, as is Ex Machina. So mm. I'm more than happy to put my hands up and say, after all these years, I was... I was talking from a place where I shouldn't have been when it comes to arrival. I will give it another chance, but um, oddly enough, though, James Hunt, the reason, the big key lesson that Denis Villeneuve apparently taught himself from Blade Runner twenty forty nine to Dune was that Dune has more humour in it. Now that mm. was not that is not what I was expecting, especially because people have said Dune isn't exactly a laugh a minute because it isn't. It's not. Uh, yeah. No. No. Duncan Idaho and Jason Momoa, he uh, brings most most of the humour and levity just because of his actual persona. And yeah, there are, say he's just being Jason Momoa. He's just but, yeah. Jason Momoa being a big dude. There are other moments as well, like fun moments or, or, or moments where you can have a kind of little smile at. But I never, I must admit, I never came out of June and thought, firstly, I'm so glad I got to laugh during that because I didn't in Blade Runner 2049. And I don't th- to me that's not a lesson learned whatsoever because he's adapting the source material as well. Um, I don't think that's a big lesson. I I, I am going to disagree. I just think that Blade, well, Blade, as the article says, Blade Runner was a, was an R-rated film, which didn't help, and it was longer as well. For me, the marketing for twenty forty nine just wasn't great because they wanted to play the mystery box game. They, I think they totally alienated the audience to the point where casual fans had no idea what this was about. It's got Ryan Gosling and Harrison Ford in it, but who knows what it's about. It's just got spaceships in it. I, I think that was part of the problem. Dune has been well marketed for me. I've seen so much yeah. Dune marketing in the lead up to certainly the UK release. It's been on billboards, it's been on uh, on bu- buses and public transport. It's been on the television all over. Any uh, in, On the internet pages I, I look at in the UK, they've got some kind of Dune reference. They've really pushed it. Um so I just my main interest was firstly, you know, what are the what can I say about twenty forty nine that Dune did better? Because I'm still, uh, do what I put Dune ahead of it probably would just because of the sheer like, scale of it. But um, I wouldn't say that humour is why Dune is now tracking better critically and financially, unless you're going to turn around now and say, do you know what it is? Would you you've heard that now? Humour is why Dune is doing better it, it, could you can you subscribe to that at all or is that a bit kind of of a reach um i i don't know i don't feel like like you said i don't think of it as like a light movie uh so i wouldn't think humor's why i i think box office wise there's it's there's been a lot of build-up like you said um we also got the delay you know like there was that long yeah, delay. Yeah. um there was you know i don't know how many people who aren't like 
obsessed with movies know about like Villeneuve insisting that you see it on the big screen. Um, <laughs> but I think the, uh, the cast in general, Oscar Isaac's got a big pop Zendaya. Honestly, it seems like Zendaya brought a lot of people into the theater yeah. and a lot of people have complained about how little she's in the movie. Um, but I, I think maybe it's the cast more so than, than anything else. Um, for, like I think cinephiles are going because it's Villeneuve, uh, Yep. Dune does have obviously a fan base built in. Uh, I don't know that Blade Runner. I think it's important to note the original Blade Runner was not a box office su- success really Dude. either. It, well, it found its late later in life, right? Like, yeah, it was much later that people became to appreciate Blade Runner. And I think we'll see something similar with 2049. I think you'll see it kind of make a resurgence later mm-hmm. on. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't, I, I don't think it's the humor. Um, because Dune's quite a heavy film, isn't it? It's there's yeah. a lot of weight and exposition and jargon and lo- and laws to throw around in that film, especially if you compare it to the uh, eighty four um, version. I yeah. think the eighty four version actually is pretty light um, by in comparison. comparison yeah. yeah, and so I do think there's like humor there, um, but otherwise, yeah, I, I don't I don't feel like that's what people are latching onto. I, I obviously could be wrong, but that was not my takeaway from the movie. I didn't walk out, like you said, thinking, oh, man, what a laugh riot. You know, it was just like, <laughs> yep. Yep, so good movie. Good movie. Dune, Dune is a bigger success because it had a few more gags in it. You heard it from screen round. I don't agree with it, but opinions are opinions, and we can all agree to disagree on, possibly on that one. But uh, that's mine. What about you, JP? Um, so my article uh, for the week um, – I'm actually really excited to have this conversation. Uh, yeah. I don't remember. I think it was like 2005. Um, I'm, I'm in a band called contrast. It is. And uh, it might've even been later into the time I was with the band for two years. I remember um, we played a show, I think in Orlando and uh, we were staying at a friend's house that was like in between our Orlando and our home uh, because it was going to be like a really late night. And my guitar player is like, you've never seen the Boondock Saints? And I had no idea what that was. Knew nothing about the Boondock Saints. So it's, I'm like five years late to the party here because it came out in 99. Um, it's very late. We get home. We watch the Boondock Saints. We sh- probably shouldn't have watched it that night, but I had a really good time watching that movie back in 2005. This. I am like 22, uh, maybe 23. Um, just so the right I'm age. Just, just the right age. Uh, I, I didn't know who Norman Reedus was yet, but I, I loved him. He was one of the reasons I got into The Walking Dead because I was so into him from this movie. Um, I obviously, I knew Willem Dafoe, but I had not seen him play a character like this before. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd seen him as the Green Goblin. That's like, I think the only place I really knew him at that time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I loved Boondock Saints. Uh, but um, I also... Uh, All Saints Day is the sequel that I think came out in like 2009 or 2010. Um, I like that movie too. I don't think it's perfect, but I enjoyed Norman Reedus. I think I laugh at a lot of the dumb stuff. Um, and it's important to note, I, I generally, I, I've never fired a gun before. Um, yeah, I don't plan to. Uh, I, I do like a lot of movies that have violent characters in them, and I don't approve of violence. Mm-hmm. But I am able to separate fiction from reality despite the problems that we see in, in reality. Um, So I was really shocked when I got really into film criticism in 2016 uh, to find how much vitriol there is for the boondock scenes. Like I had no clue how much this movie has hatred. Like people hate this movie Mm -hmm. Uh, and calling Troy Duffy, the the filmmaker um, like a Tarantino knockoff and all of that. And I don't see like why, because someone isn't Tarantino, it can't still also be good. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like Tarantino knocked off enough directors to get to where he is. I mean, yes, he's a postmodern filmmaker who, who uses his love of cinema to, to basically craft his own stories, which so does Edgar Wright. Like they both Mm -hmm. pull from other filmmakers and, um, Troy Duffy does too, I guess. Uh, it's, is it raunchy humor at times? Yes. Is there, is it vigilanteism? Yeah. So is Batman. I like Batman. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah. I like Punisher. I don't agree with the Punisher, but I, I like the pun. Like John Bernthal as a Punisher, I think is a great TV series. I enjoyed the freaking Thomas Jane Punisher film, uh, probably like six months before I saw Boondock Saints. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah. So, the reason I'm talking about the Boondock Saints right now 
is because it was announced yesterday that they're making a third one, uh, which was teased at the end of All Saints Day. Um, but Troy Duffy and the two guys are on board. Uh, and the thing that makes me worry is they're also trying to turn this into like a John Wick style franchise, mm-hmm. um, which I'm like, uh, don't do that. And there's no uh, official announcement. Uh, the article that I have is from um, AB, uh, AB Club. And um, there's no official announcement as to what the plot's going to be, but the implications are that they might be like killing politicians this time around, um, which maybe that's not the right time for that. No. Um, it seems like maybe not the right moment in our world to to push for vigilantism towards politicians i don't know like again that's speculation based on like some of the the discussion and and the tact of the previous films and and also i guess there was like a a fan q a at some point like on, on like reddit or something and he asked people what um what they would like the sequel to be and i guess that was kind of like one of the big like hitting points um so i don't know and i don't know if he, I don't necessarily think the filmmaker handles any subject with tact per se. Mm-hmm. Um, he, I think he makes an entertaining movie and it's a movie about two guys who love movies. Cause a lot of the things that they reference are from other films and things like that. I, I eat that stuff up. I, that's one of the reasons I like Kevin Smith movies. Cause they're talking about things that I also like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like they're talking about star Wars. Like, Oh yeah, I love star Wars. Cool. Like, so, um, that's the thing I'm curious. though, Matt, where you fall on the boondock scenes? Um, I didn't mind the first film. Uh, I, I didn't like the second film. Um, you all say I wasn't a fan of that one, but the first film is very much like not well, the ninety nine. It's very much of its time, but you know it's it is what it is. It's a very it's a big old violent vigilante um, gun fest, and it it, it worked. Like, it's one of those films for me that works because of when it was released. It was had, had, if they tried to release if the Boondock Saints was released now was in it's we'd never had any films and they just dropped this film now i don't think it works quite as well i don't know i think you could just get away with more maybe back then uh, and he also just coming off those 90s um action thriller films and there was a run of them in the 90s uh so i wasn't a fan of the second one i'm interested to see where they go with a third one however yeah the let's let's form a mob and kill politicians maybe isn't the best message to be sending out uh, in the UK. Sadly, a, a one of the, a, an MP was, was stabbed and killed uh, in his local constituency just for turning up to work by some nutcase Jeez. who just didn't agree with his policies. Um, again, it doesn't matter what side of the political spectrum you fall on. That's wrong. Uh, so of course, so it, hit, it, it would hit a chord in the United Kingdom and it would not go down well at all. Plus obviously what happened at the beginning of the year with the nutcases in the capital, there's, I get that people want to have their finger on the cultural cultural pulse, but there is also boundaries. There are also other things you need to consider uh, about certain um, certain content in your films. But am I happy they're bringing the Boondock Saints back? You know, I, I would never. I didn't think they were going to after well, a decade or so. But and Norman, to be fair, Norman Reedus has become quite famous. And since Northern then. Norman Reedus is yeah a fairly big deal now. It, it took twelve years or eleven years, whatever, for the for the first sequel. So I guess they just they've just left it another eleven or twelve years for the for the third film. So uh, it's it's keeping in uh, it's keeping in tune with their release schedule. But am I excited? Oh, I'll watch it. Uh, a John Wick style franchise doesn't really excite me because the the, the John Wick like cliche, the convention of something being John Wickian is starting to wear on me somewhat now because yeah, John Wick in itself is, is a good action film, but it's not in any way revolutionary yet. So many films now are trying to wipe it. Sometimes you can get away with it. Like in nobody, nobody is awesome. Nobody's great. Bob Odenkirk's a man, but then you get someone like gunpowder milkshake, which is just not good uh, along side other things like peppermint and things like that, or um, any uh, insert, any Netflix action film really, which tries to be wiki and, but um yeah i didn't mind the first film like i said i saw it after like you i saw it after seeing spider-man so william defoe as green goblin was my first exposure to him and then seeing him in in this role and obviously going back to subsequent roles before that was quite a change having seen him in you know hamming it up as as a uh norman osborne in spider-man but no i'm there's there is a place for action thriller films there and there is 
I've been critical of action yeah. films in recent years because they feel too generic or like they're following the same DNA of another successful film, i.e. John Wick. There is a place for them. Just let's see. I'd just like interest to see what they do with it. They are not particularly enthralled by, you know, what you mentioned could be the premise. Yeah. I hope that ends up not being the story, but um, you know, I, I actually, uh, the big change in the second one was uh, Romeo, who I always forget the actor's name, but he's, um, he's a really talented actor. And I think he's particularly funny in boondock saints um, too. the all saints day. Uh, I don't think it's a perfect movie by any means, like nowhere am I arguing that, um, but there is a cool kind of twist at the end of Boondock Saints 2 that I hope happens for three. Uh, a character is revealed to be around that we thought was not. Um, and so I'm curious if that's actually going to come to fruition in three. They have not Ooh. announced if this actor would be back or not. So like that makes a huge difference to me if three is going to be amazing or just another sequel. But um, I do. I like Norman Reedus enough. And honestly, since Walking Dead, he hasn't done a lot that has been successful outside of that, right? He hasn't, had, like, he comes off as yeah, such a leading man in Walking Dead Death and he hasn't Branding really been able to... Is, obviously, he's the re- recent vehicle in terms of video games. Video games, but that, I mean, we if he's going to break into, like, cinema, this has been his one franchise that has been successful, and even that is a, that's a stretch, right? Like, it wasn't a box office, it's a cult no. movie. Yeah. Um, and the second one's not even, like, again, I'm probably, I, I think I'm the only one I've ever heard say it was I liked it. I'm not even saying it's good. I I was like, it's more of what I liked. A little different, but it, it, it continued the story, and I think it's still got some stuff. Um, I forget the actress's name who kind of takes the Defoe role in that movie, but they, they recreate some of the sequences, the the crime scene footage. Like I, I like that stuff. Again, it's the same exact premise, just redone, but I, I still enjoyed it, so I couldn't... I can't say I didn't have a good time watching the second one. Definitely prefer the first one, but yeah, on. I don't know what Sean Patrick Flannery's been up to recently, but I haven't really seen him in many films. So Clifton Colin Juniors, the guy who I think that's it. Well, Romeo, yes, recognizable um, I saw, face. I saw him in something. Um, Let me have a look. Uh, he was in Saw the Final Chapter eleven years ago. Um, I almost got to interview him for something. There was a, a couple of years ago. He was a. Um, I forgot what something fell through, but I was supposed to get to interview him. I think he was going to do the top five podcast nice and then it fell through and i was really bummed i wanted to like talk to him i think or did i interview i certainly I can't remember you, you haven't forgotten <laughs> i right that would not be good uh I, I think it fell through i was because i i was up for it and i was really excited about the opportunity because everyone forgets he was powder like you remember that movie powder like he was he's powder like he's the actor as like you know albino bald guy uh not a good movie that's but a long. Like, I'm thinking that's a while, a long, long time. Oh yeah, now. 90s. That was before Boondock. That's what I'm saying. Like Jeff that, but, film, I think. Oh really? I don't remember. I, I, I saw it as a kid. I do not remember uh, outside of like this is weird. Um, anywho, that's he my did, article. He also did a film, sorry, called Broken Horses, which I imagine you would have definitely wanted to speak to him definitely. about. That. Yeah, totally have opinions <laughs> on that one for sure. All right, well, let's move on from headlines to what we've been consuming. This is media consumption. Uh, these are movies, TV shows, video games, music, podcasts, etc. that we have used to pass the time since our last recording. Uh, Matt, what have you been consuming? Uh, this week has been a busy week because it's been half term in the United Kingdom. So the 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 kiddo has been off school. So I had a week and um, I find my time to consume media which isn't the descendants or something along those lines is um literally i've seen all three films again countless times last week but it's for the greater good but i I find i don't have as much time to watch stuff so i haven't listened to any podcasts this week but i have caught up on a few films um i watched scream 2 over the weekend i i watched scream recently and did an episode on it which i haven't put out yet just talking about how good scream is the first film uh, I always forget how good that film is. Uh, Scream 2 as well, released within a year. Very solid follow-up. Not quite as um, strong as the first film, but certainly not a bad follow-up, unlike the third one. Um, obviously, on Halloween, by the time I, after I would got back from a four, four-and-a-half-hour round trip, take, pick, taking the young kiddo back, well, that was a long evening, I got back and I relaxed and I unwinded, unwound with The Exorcist on Halloween, of course. I needed something to chill my mind out, so the soothing tones of Father Merrin got me through. Um, but then, in terms of new releases, I watched The French Dispatch, the recent 
uh, Wes Anderson release. I wasn't keen on his last film, Isle of Dogs, but I, I, I don't mm. mind Wes Anderson's films usually. Uh, like Moonrise Kingdom, I I think that film's wonderful. Uh, the Grand Budapest Hotel was wonderful in terms of uh, other oh, recent films. Love that. Uh, but the French Dispatch also didn't work for me for the reason that there's, again, I'm we not going to do any spoilers, but the film is kind of segmented into five uh, stories, chapters, uh, and certainly three anthology stories within. But it feels like Wes Anderson has got gr- good ideas for each one but is, uh, and is willing to say, here's my idea, but does not follow through on it. It's just a lot of good ideas without any payoff, which is very sad. And it also feels like, this is this is peak Wes Anderson now. You know what you're going to get. You know what his films are going to look like. They're going to look like, unbelievable on the eye. You know that the ridiculous cast he's got will be very good. And of course, he's got Owen Wilson. Oh, wow. Bill Murray and the rest of them, they're all back. Uh, for, uh, Francis McDormand, Tilda Swinton. Plus, we've got Timothy Chalamet, uh, Jeffrey Wright, and a whole ton of other people in cameos. But... It feels like Wes Anderson this time was too, and I, uh, too not a word I use often, but too neurotic with the tiny details of making this look so Wes Andersony that you know it, it's it's ultimate Anderson that he forgot to you know really dive into anything else. And we know that his films always deal with kind of heavier subjects with a kind of a lighter touch. They, they use that word whimsical an awful lot. Uh, with with Anton, it's all, again that's almost a cliche to say, but his films are whimsical. There is no way about it. Sure. But um, uh, but yeah, but his films do usually deal with tougher subjects. Um, but th- this one doesn't really. It just gets the the premises are all decent, but they're just not followed up on, which is to me a shame. And similar to last night in Soho, visuals alone, you know, can't save a movie. And this one just this one doesn't feel it's i put in my review i ended it up by saying it feels too indulgent to ever feel welcoming i didn't ever feel like i was being beckoned into it. i just felt like i was being kept at arm's reach because it was as if wes was trying to you know point out all the perfections in his visuals rather than any kind of narrative joy so the french dispatch was a bust for me unfortunately but i i don't want to say it's going to work for anderson fans because i've seen a few who've also said yeah this one isn't his strongest but of course, I've also seen a lot who say it is very good. So I don't want to put put Wes Anderson fans in a pigeonhole and say they're all going to like it. But I do think if you've got a particular fondness for his work, I think you'll be able to overlook some of those uh, negative aspects and just have a good time with the film. Uh, because there is a lot of, obviously, Anderson's own conventions in there to enjoy. So, um, so the French Dispatch... Didn't quite work for me. I also finally got to watch Jim Cummings' latest film, The Beta Test, or The Beta Test, and uh, thankfully had a much better time with that. I think The Beta Test was great. I think it's, uh, in fact, I think it's damn gr- good film. Um, a, gr- a good mystery thr- thriller. Jim Cummings and PJ McCabe, uh, write, direct, and star in it, uh, and it tells the tale of a of a Hollywood talent agent who has received an invite to a sordid one-night stand with an anonymous person, which he eventually goes to. This is in the trailer and the synopsis. And then he has to deal with the fallout because he's also engaged. And there's and then there is a uh, kind of a murder plot involved with other people who have got these invites. And Jim Cummings is very good, sort of spiralling out of control, channeling. He's almost channeling like an inner Jim Carrey at some moments. Keeps mm. it restrained. Very, very engaging watch. They throw you straight in the deep end. There's not, they don't, they don't give you a big old setup. They put you straight in. This is what's happening. Let's go. Very frenetic, kinetic energy and pacing to it. I really liked it. I've got a feeling you're going to as well because I know how much of a fan you are of uh, Mr. Cummings. Cummings. Yeah, he's won me over quite a bit. Yeah, I think you're going to enjoy it. And he's not playing a police officer in this one. So there's a ah. change of tact. So Halloween, uh, like other it, films, no. so he has been, yes. Um, and the other film I watched was Army of Thieves, which was on Netflix. He's on Netflix, sorry. And it's yep. part of the the Saxon Ida's army verse, which started with Army of the Dead, which I thought was perfectly serviceable, if not, if not spectacular. And Army of Thieves is a prequel to it, which is directed by uh, Matthias Schweikhofer, who starred as Ludwig Dieter in Army of the Dead, the the safecracker. He uh, stars in this film alongside Natalie Emmanuel, who's always good. I love our Natalie Emmanuel. And this one is 
there's less Snyder to this, and I mean that in a good way. I'm not going to start hating or bashing. There's less Snyder in this, which works. It's much more uh, of Schweikhofer's vision, and because of that, it's there's a bit more of a breezy vibe to it. There's a kind of almost like an Adam McKay vibe to it at times as well. This is more of a straight-up heist comedy film rather than a zombie film. The zombies are in it in terms of they're on the news, but I actually was surprised how decent Army of Thieves was. I think Matthias uh, Schwerkhoff is really good as in the lead. His kind of wimpy nerdiness is great alongside Natalie Emmanuel's more ass-kicking character. That's her job, but she isn't just stock um, badass woman. She's she's got some layers to her and Schreikofer has more restraint than Snyder in terms of his visuals and how and how much they pop off the screen he knows the assignment what kind of film he is and what universe is part of but he's not quite as in your face as Zack Snyder can be so um yeah surprisingly had a pretty a very good time with Army of Thieves it's I think it's also better than Army of the Dead as well uh it's, it's still not clocks in about two hours it gets a bit stretched at points in terms of come on let's move on we don't need to see this again but i i think people if they watch this will be pleasantly surprised that it's not awful and in fact it's quite entertaining my friend so um nice too good uh i don't say too good one bad but too good and one fine in terms of french dispatch so that was me this week but i i know you've always got a good old smorgasbord yeah i've got quite a bit um Obviously, as always, listen to the Blank Check podcast. Uh, they had their Patreon episode for the Tom Cruise, the Mummy, as well as the regular uh, episode for Mouth of Madness. Um, in the Mouth of Madness, sorry, I didn't yep. type the whole title out. Um, really recommend you check out In the Mouth of Madness if you haven't seen it. Uh, mm-hmm. I like that movie quite a bit. Um, as far as shows, I've watched. Uh, I finished What We Do in the Shadows season three. Just ended. Uh, it ends on quite a really awesome note. I, I actually tweeted an article um i read a review from i think vulture uh, i don't remember the author's name but uh the review kind of moved me to tears and mm-hmm. um i agreed with a lot of what they said and like their breakdown of the season as a whole just a really good great show on hulu slash effects i really recommend everyone watch it mm-hmm. um so i i believe i willed this album into existence man but <laughs> about a month or so ago uh i realized i hadn't heard a limp biscuit new song in quite some time. And I found out that I'd actually missed a couple of singles that had dropped. So I think it's like 2011. Uh, they drop an album called gold Cobra, yep. which is okay for, if you're a fan of Limp Bizkit, it feels more like um, significant other or $3 bill y'all than their previous couple of albums. And it's still not great. Uh, really none of their albums are great except for $3 bill y'all like that album is really good. And Fred clearly has stuff to say. You yeah. can see in significant other that he's starting to like, his problems are like rich white guy problems and they're not mm-hmm. really relatable anymore. And then it goes off the rails and it's just like, you know, listen to catchy listening music, but nothing outstanding. Yep. So I found out all this stuff and I was kind of like awed by like their career. Like they, like I found out Olympus kid had got dropped from Interscope and they signed with no limit records and they dropped uh, a single with little Wayne on the track. They never made an album for little, for no limit records. Then they go independent. They drop one more single and they've been basically silent for like the last eight years. And I, I find all this out uh, like just over a month ago, they are kind of touring right now. And suddenly there's an album drop. They announced this like a week ago, like on Halloween, we're dropping a new album called limp biscuit. It's it, the album's called Still Sucks, but it's read as Limp Biscuit Still Sucks. Um, and I have the sad news to report that that is not just a clever name. Uh, <laughs> it is a terrible album. Oh uh, man! I am, and I am sadly, I, I don't like admitting that I'm a, still a kind of a fan of Limp Biscuit, but I don't think there's a single song on it that's really good. Uh, there's nothing like usually that even if their lyrics aren't the best, there's like it's got a catchy hook or something. I don't think that that's on this album. Like, I don't feel like there's a single song that really stood out as like, Oh, this is great. Or this feels like old Limp biscuit. It feels like guys just trying desperately to reclaim their glory days. Oh, and no. that's, that's the that's, worst man. Stinks. Um, so yeah, uh, I listened to that. I, I don't know that I'll listen to it again. I, it, there was nothing really on it to compel me, um, to come back to it, to give it another go. I, I, yeah, I, I wish it was not the case. Um, however, if any of you out there are, Looking for, like, maybe you like Limp Bizkit. West Borland has a side project called Blacklight Burns. And their first album, which I can never remember the name of, is amazing. And, like, nobody 
listen to it. Like, no, it Did feels you send like me I'm a the only song one. of theirs, didn't you? I have. It's um, very good. It's really good, and he's singing on it, and like impressively got a voice. It's got a weird style. Um, it's a little heavy, but there's a lot of melodies, and it's just it's a really well written album. Highly recommend that. Maybe stay away from Limp Bizkit. Still sucks. Um, that's it. <laughs> I've watched quite a bit of movies. Uh, as I mentioned, I've been kind of diving into old Hitchcock. So I've watched the 39 steps dial M for murder and the man oh. who knew too much from 1956. I, I said 66 earlier. It's 56. Um, I, I really like uh, dial M for murder a whole lot. I like the man who knew too much. 39 steps was, I got to admit, I was having a hard time, like really getting interested in it. It's not bad. And by the end, I, I was a little more compelled by it, but like just, it never really pulled me in um, to like, engross me like the way a lot of other Hitchcock did. I don't know. A lot of people, uh, there's a lot of praise for it. I, I don't know if I need to maybe give it a different attempt. Um, on Halloween, I watched Carnival of Souls. Yes. A really cool movie. Uh, mm-hmm. Like a, the, the story of it, I think is as more compelling. Like the story of it being made is almost more compelling than the film yes. itself. Um, the whole gorilla filmmaking thing always kind of catches my attention. Uh, but I really, I, I did like it. I'm glad I checked that one off the list. I, I was asked by someone before, if I could, if, if I could have a horror film remade in a contemporary fashion, which would it be? And I did mention, and I did say Carnival of Souls because I think it works because of the time it was made. And there's a certain eeriness to it because of that, but I'd love to see a, a new take on it. I don't know who I would have directed, but I'd love to see it brought into a contemporary audience. Cause I don't think that, it may need to, it doesn't get enough. Again, I don't think it's an all-time classic, but I think it's very good. It doesn't get spoken about enough, so we'd like to see um, a new version. But I'm glad you enjoyed it. I, I, I left off. I watched Suspicion, which is another Hitchcock film. Um, I actually mm-hmm. like Suspicion quite a bit. Um, uh, caught Antlers, the the new film that's yeah. out. Uh, you had mentioned it last week. Um, really liked Antlers. Uh, Carrie Russell is phenomenal in it, and mm-hmm. Jesse Plemons is always great. He's always um, good good shout out to the kids though the kids that are in the film acting i think do a really solid job which they're asked to do some pretty heavy stuff mm-hmm. and i think they they do a really good job at doing it um very like tone movie uh you oh, know yeah. very sad and and dour at times but Full really really well made yeah tons of atmosphere um but the movie that i want to spend just a minute with is the movie club movie. So I don't want to spend too much cause I'm going to be talking about it on Friday with Corey, mm-hmm. but uh, Corey and I are doing our month of mint in box. These are movies that we own, but have never seen. And we both own prisoners, the Denis oh. Villeneuve film. <laughs> and um, it'd been on my radar since it, since the trailer. And obviously I've become quite a fan of his work. Um, but it was one of his only, like basically after uh Enemy, I've seen Enemy and everything after that, but there's like two movies before Enemy I've not seen. Um, but Prisoners was the gap, and uh, I love this movie. Um, I think I avoided it because it, it was going to be such like heavy subject matter, um, and it is. It definitely is. Like it, if the premise of the film is a uh, Hugh Jackman's character's children, what his daughter and his neighbor's daughter are kidnapped, yeah. and um or abducted, I guess is the more appropriate word. And it's the hunt to get them. Uh, you follow them, but you also follow Jake Gyllenhaal's character as the detective. Um, and the, the cast is great. Uh, but man, there's so many little things that when they pay off towards the end, I was just like losing my mind as I was like <laughs> just keeping ahead of the, the, the characters. Like I was just figuring out things as they were figuring them out. I, I was floored. I was yelling at my TV at points and I was, I was really engrossed in the movie. Um, I mentioned like 39 steps, not keeping my attention. The prisoners was the total opposite. It like, it had me so hooked. I didn't even realize I was like, yes, speaking. So I, if you haven't seen prisoners, I highly recommend it in the States. It's on Hulu right now. So highly recommend that you check that film out. God, I have seen it and I very much enjoyed it. Um, and again, I don't think Villeneuve's done a bad film and I hope that continues forever and a day. So um, I'm glad to hear you enjoyed that and I look forward to hearing what, I don't know about you, I'm looking forward to hearing what Corey says about it. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I, this is one of those times where like, I was like, <laughs> can we talk about it right now? I want to talk about it now. I, I, I feel like I need to talk about this movie to everybody to who into. listens. Yeah, um, so I'm very excited uh, to, uh, you know, I was even like, when you, have you watched it? She's like, no, I'm not going to watch it probably till Wednesday or Thursday because I watched it on Saturday. <laughs> um, I'm like, oh, okay. Come on, Corey. <laughs> um, really want to uh, really want to talk about it. So I'm looking forward to doing this episode. Um, this whole month is going to be fun because we've got 
uh, two of the Martin Scorsese um, horror recommendations, like his eleven top yeah, eleven horror movies, The Innocence and the um, the Uninvited, are on our list mm-hmm. for this month. Nice. And then um, the, Corey's other pick is Mystery Train, um, which is a Jim Jarmusch film that she bought me the Criterion for my birthday, um, nice. and I guess bought herself that. So like, it makes sense that we, uh, you know, we checked that one out because we've we've done a few Jarmusch Criterion. We've we've done Dead Man. Uh, um, Oh my god, the ghost dog, and I think coffee and cigarettes. We've done episodes on, so it makes sense to uh, to dive into this Jarmouche um, criterion as well. But sweet, um, that's that's uh, the bulk of the episode. But before we wrap up, it takes a lot for Matt and I to do this week after week. We, it, we have to make sure we keep our awesome levels at an all time high. Um, so, Matt, what have you been doing to stay bloody awesome? My friend, I've been enjoying the celebrations of the season. It's Halloween was this Sunday, but because it last Sunday, because it was a Sunday, Halloween, it felt like a weekend event. You know, when it's on a Wednesday, okay, fine, great. When it's on a Sunday, well, people dress up on a Saturday, they have a party on a Saturday. That party continues on the Sunday. I didn't go to a party. I had, I sat down with my uh, daughter and we watched them. We, what did we watch? We watched, um, Oh, uh, Goosebumps. I, I watched the first Goosebumps film. We sat down and watched that uh, because I thought, well, that's not too scary. And to be honest, she, she, she does nothing seems to scare her, even the things that should do. Like the scary costumes we see or the scary uh, attractions out and about. She just kind of waves at them. Hello, Mr. Ghost. Okay, you're going to be just fine then. But uh, yeah, trick or treating, we went. Uh, we went trick or treating. We went up to we went up to a place about, I don't know, 40 minutes away from where I live. My brother and his partner uh said there there's a big old estate you know big houses which go ham you know go they go full they go u.s style almost um with their um decorations and everything that the entire get up outside their house so went up there and it was it's the busiest i've ever seen anywhere on halloween it was packed the streets were packed the houses looked great and it wasn't just a, a scarecrow here and a pumpkin there there was full house decor uh things in the windows there was one house was really creepy it just had this voice coming out of nowhere like a little girl saying i'm gonna uh, i'm coming to get this stuff like that coming to get you and other things like that and it's like this is creepy as hell and there's ghosts in the wind there's a spider crawling up a wall big probably stuff that um are my, my american friends over there are probably like that's that's just normal but over here it's great to see so i went trick-or-treating with my daughter she loves halloween it's she said it's her favorite season wait till christmas comes but um <laughs> so she had a great time she dressed up as a, a scary witch she called it it was a very much a, a rainbow sparkle witch but you know she she looks scary uh, and i dressed up as a ghostbuster uh which was good fun i had a few people uh a few people shout out hey look there's a ghostbuster and hey cool there's a ghostbuster and for the first time in my life i felt I felt like part of a team, part of a gang. I had to put my hands <laughs> up and go, yes, I am. Um, that's how Winston Zedmore felt when he joined the Ghostbusters for the first time. But uh, So, yeah, just getting into the spirit of the season, my friend. Had a good time, trick-or-treat. I didn't take a bucket around with me. I left all the sweets slash candy for for the for little ones. Um, my daughter, she brought along her big sister as well, so I went to get her today. So that was quite nice. She got to see her sister for the first time in a week. They both went trick-or-treating. And it was, it was really good to get uh, for everyone got into the spirit of it, and it felt like a real event for the first time in a while. And again, we didn't get to go last year because of COVID, so this also felt like more a double double event. So, trick or treat to my friend, going out and getting into the spirit of the season, and then coming back to watch The Exorcist. Can't get any better. But what about you, my friend? So I have uh, completed uh, it today. We're recording. It's November second, but before that. Actually, on October 28th, I watched 31 horror films in the yes. month of October, completing the, the challenge of 31 and 31 by three days, uh, a little a little early. Um, my whole list is available to see on letterbox.com if you're mm-hmm. inclined. Um, but because of that, I really pushed myself to watch those movies. I also still had to catch other things. So I ended up watching 43 movies <laughs> in October. Um, so a very busy movie month. I think the busiest of the year for me. Uh, did not write a review for everyone. Of course, I, I've, I've decided during the pandemic that sometimes I just need to watch movies to watch movies. I don't mm-hmm. have to review every single thing I watch. That's um, what is for, man. You can just give a little star rating. It. Stick it in the star rate stick it in your year list and don't have to write about it. Right. And I, um, 
you know, I really enjoy watching movies and sometimes that's all I want it to be. And other times I have something I really want to say about it. I will write a review. Like I haven't, I haven't written my review for antlers yet. I'm going to, cause I have some things to say about it, but, um, sometimes I don't. And, uh, you know, sometimes I'm also just watching movies like in the background while I'm doing other stuff. Um, but I count that, uh, cause I, I tend to pay attention. Um, even if I'm not giving it a hundred percent of my attention, mm-hmm. uh, but I don't like to review a movie that I'm not giving a hundred percent of my attention. Cause I don't think that's fair to the movie. Like for me to be like super critical or something, um, if I wasn't giving it all of the attention that I could, but, uh, that, that was to me, like, uh, obviously there was a movie podcast. So watching movies is a part of this, but, um, I actively am, am looking to always be a, a better film viewer to really make those connections. And it's one of the reasons why I've been diving into some older stuff. Um, checking things off of the gap list, uh, stuff that I feel like, you know, I love seeing those influences that you don't realize are influences. You know, you watch something yeah. you're like, oh, this clearly influenced this movie that I love, but I never knew. It's one of the things that I thought maybe with Boondock Saints, I thought maybe like there was a more direct reference that I wasn't getting that maybe is why people were so critical of it. And then when I when I went to reading, it's mostly just like because it's not Reservoir Dogs or it's not Pulp Fiction. It's like, okay. Mm-hmm. I, I'm okay with this movie still existing. Like, I don't need it to be as good as those two films to like be entertaining. Um, and people get real hostile towards that, but I, I don't think we should do that. So, uh, I've just been saying awesome by diving into the thing I love most and that's movies. Best way to be, man. We've had this conversation before where you kind of feel like oh, I need to watch this because I have to, I feel com- the power of Christ compels me to write about it. But that's where letterbox comes in handy because there's a few films that quite a few this year, which I've seen. And I'll give a star rating too. And I've got my ongoing 2021 best of list, which at the end of the year will be finalized, but is up for everyone to see. And there are films in there. Well, I'll give a star rating, but you know, I won't write about it because either I haven't got the time or like you say, just don't, don't feel compelled to. But if it's, if I know it's going to be in the top echelon or maybe towards the bottom and I will speak about it at the end of the year, I'll write a few words, but there are some in the middle where I think, you know, it, it it exists in the world. I'll give it three stars or whatever it is, six out of ten, five out of ten, and it's it's there. I'll probably never mention it again. So I hear you, my friend. But that's a hell of a, a hell of a total, though, for October. Yeah, big big October. I probably yeah. won't have that as many this month. But who knows? Uh, I, I, I'm excited to like dive into all these criterions I just got. So who knows? But um, good job. That's it for this episode, folks. But we're going to be back next week diving back into the Marvel Cinematic Universe for the third time this year. Uh, And not the last time for this year, because we got a Spider-Man movie coming out in December. Mm -hmm. Um, But we're going to be talking about Eternals on our next episode. Um, I get to see it one day earlier than everybody else around me. Yes, Um, And I will be uh, getting into that next week with Matt, who will, of course, also have seen it. Um, That is only going to be available in theaters, uh, much like Shang-Chi. Um, Disney is not dropping it uh, on Disney Plus right away. Um, so you will have to venture out if you are able to do so, if it's safe for you to do so. Uh, check back, and we're going to be talking about Eternals next week. In the meantime, you can follow uh, Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast on a social media. On Instagram, we're at Bloody Awesome Movie Pod, and on Twitter, at BAMP underscore podcast, B A M P underscore podcast. And on Facebook, uh, we are still there for now um, under the new Meta Corporation. Uh, Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast is all you got to search. Individually, you can follow me at BurkeReviews.com and at BurkeReviews on all your social media platforms. And Matt, where can they find you? Uh, Whatiwatchtonight.co.uk and what I watch tonight across all the socials, including Letterboxd, as we've mentioned. And if you like what we're doing here at the Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast, we ask that you take just a couple of minutes and give us that five-star rating on whatever podcast catcher you use to listen. It helps other listeners find the show. Uh, with that, we encourage you to keep watching movies. And stay bloody awesome. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Blah, 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 blah.